Welcome to the Quirky Sister Podcast. We're so happy you're joining us for our weekly chat. I'm Em. And I'm Steph. And we're two sisters talking about our everyday lives and whatever else we feel like, including family, beauty, games, music, special interests, and navigating the world as neurodivergent adults. So if you don't mind random topics, can handle a mess, and aren't particularly offended by our Australian accent, then please come and join us for a chat. Hi, and welcome back to the Quirky Sister Podcast. I'm Em. And I'm Steph. And you're listening to us chat about whatever the heck we want. So today we're going to be talking about children and their use of and access to media, particularly through the internet. But first... Do you have a story for the week? Uh, no, I'm pretty storyless. I was wondering if it's just me that Probably. people give random things to. I think it has something to do with my personality, but mm. a while ago, Dad came home with a feather... <laughs> that he found and he said I found this feather at work and I thought you'd like it and of course I I loved it and then it just occurred to me the other day that like mum will give me leaves or granny has given me little bits and pieces that she's found little bits of coral or shells or Mm. rocks and so I have quite a collection of things that other people have given me Mm. That have absolutely no value at all. They're feathers, they're rocks, they're shells, they're twigs, they're heart-shaped leaves. Does everyone have that? Or is that just a me thing? I think it's a you thing. Right. I wasn't sure. Nobody gives me anything. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when I die, you can inherit my collection. (laughs) I hate feathers. No to the feathers. Okay, well, I'll pass the feathers on to somebody else. You can have every other rock and (laughs) twig. They're not stored anywhere in particular. It made me think because... (laughs) We were in the garden the other day and we'd cut out a tree, cut down branches. The tree was dead and I'd picked a few sticks out that I particularly liked and put them on the fence to keep and Dad came along and snapped them all in half. I said, what are you doing to my sticks? He's like, oh, were they yours? I said, yes, they were my sticks that I was keeping. So, yeah, probably it is a me thing. Mm. If you ever need a stick, anyone, you know where to go. That brings us to today's topic. Media use in childhood. The effects of media. The effects of media on children. From a developmental perspective. Which I personally know nothing about. We live in a world that is very different to what we grew up in, in the sense of media. We were talking this morning about how we didn't really have control over what we watched. You know, it was like six o'clock here, the news would go on. Mum and dad would watch the news and then we would watch whatever was on as a family. I mean, we did have a little bit of TV time after school yeah. when we got home and we were playing. Yeah. We used to watch the Rugrats. Yeah. But again, our choices were limited to what yes. was on the television <laughs> right. at the time. We didn't really have games, like video games, until we were a little bit older. Oh, I guess we had the Sony. You mean Sega? Sega. <laughs> the Sega with California games on it. Yeah. That was my favourite. Yeah, I like the surfing too. Adam and I were trying to find that the other day. What, to scare the kids? <laughs> to <laughs> show them how pixelated things were back in the 90s. In comparison to what children have today, it was... Yes, yes, very low tech, <laughs> very limited. 
And I was saying the other day that we kind of, our generation is kind of like in an awkward place because we grew up through that technology boom. So we kind of can remember what it's like not to have a device in our hands all the time, but also uh, in a place where we can understand technology as it grows. I find it kind of awkward to parent children that have only lived in a world where there is a device in your hand. And not just in their hands, but in the hands of the people around them. Yeah. You am are seeing this more frequently in your role as a kindergarten teacher that very young children are accessing things that many of us would consider inappropriate. Inappropriate. Or or not age-appropriate. Not age-appropriate. That's a better way of saying it. Yeah. Because I find a lot of people go like, oh, sex, inappropriate, whereas if you're an adult, it's appropriate. Yeah. Or if you're an adult and you want to look at that, it's about, I don't know, whatever, whatever. It's, yeah. What sort of apps have you seen or heard about young children using that you would have some concerns about as a parent? Uh, YouTube. Yeah. Um, TikTok, Roblox. Snapchat? Snapchat. I don't, I don't know. I haven't heard too much about Snapchat. The main ones are YouTube, TikTok, Roblox. And that includes YouTube kids. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people, this is my gut feeling, they might see the kids version and assume that it's safe. Yeah. Whereas I personally don't know that that's the case. And then the other problematic thing is the apps that are being installed on devices like iPads, tablets, like horror games that are are not age appropriate for Mm four-year-olds. So do you think it's the parents installing it for the parents to use or installing those horror sort of apps for the children to use? Well, from the children that I've spoken to, it's kind of either they'll have like an older sibling that is a shared device Mm -hmm. or they have free range on installing apps and a lot of apps have ads and so an ad will pop up a child will think oh that looks like a fun game push the button install it and a parent Mm -hmm. may not even know yeah that's true so that's kind of part two Mm -hmm. of what I want to talk about parental supervision Mm -hmm. so there are a few different issues around this access you've got issues around who's speaking with the Mm -hmm. children who's contacting them on your social media type apps you've got issues around the content that's accessed and the age appropriateness of that content and whether that has implications for their development yeah i think you've also got issues around advertising particularly this is something that concerns me not just for children but for adults as well On apps like TikTok or Instagram, it's not easy to determine when you're watching content and when you're watching an ad. Yeah. And some of those ads are for things that could be damaging to your health, like gambling, for example. Yeah. Any other sort of major issues that you see? Contact, content, advertising. I can't remember what we said. I just listed them. Yeah. (laughs) Was there another one? No, I was asking you if there was any more. No. From my perspective, they are the three main areas that I would be worried about if I had children. And I think that the ease of access you could put in there as well. How frequently they're using it, how easy it is to access it. (laughs) I was thinking how easily they can access it. We're living in a post-COVID society where, and I don't know for certain, but A lot of people use technology to help get them through all of the lockdowns. And and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. My son uses technology to regulate at the end of the day. I use technology technology to regulate 
it's not a bad thing, but I think when people were working from home and also having their children at home, it's easy to hand a device to a child and they would be quiet to get the work done. It's not so easy to then take that device away from a child when they're getting that instant gratification and feedback constantly. They're constantly entertained by a tiny screen or a big screen if it's a TV. So it's really hard to then take that away and encourage them to go and play. They don't have the skills to do that, particularly children who, you know, COVID hit two years ago now. These children were two or three maybe. I'm talking about preschool children here. So I've seen a shift in my profession in the way children play. I think that it directly correlates with COVID. I can't say for certain. It may correlate with COVID, but COVID could not be the cause of it. It could just be a coincidence. You're You're not drawing that distinction. No, I'm not saying. We need to be really aware of the effects that what we are doing now and what children are exposed to at four does to them in the long run and what it does to their development. We know that the brain doesn't fully develop until we're 24, 25. I have a lot of children who I speak to that access horror games, horror videos. There are lots going around at the moment. Poppy Playtime, Rainbow Friends, Fright Night at Freddy's, Baldy is another game that they play, which when I go through and look at the age recommendations on these apps, it's, you know, 8 plus, 9 plus, 10 plus, 11 plus, not age appropriate for four and five-year-olds. The reason they're not age appropriate for four and five-year-olds is because while they might find it funny now, when their brains start becoming more able to process all of that information and are more able to look outside themselves and become more aware of the world, it usually happens around seven. That's when it impacts. That's when they start having nightmares. That's when they start looking over their shoulder. It doesn't matter how many times you say to them, it's not real. You can't take it back. And do you think it's the parents aren't really aware of what the apps are or they... Possibly. Yeah. Because initially when I started hearing about Poppy Playtime or Huggy Wuggy and Rainbow Friends, I was like, oh, Huggy Wuggy, that sounds like a really lovely character. Poppy Playtime sounds like fun. Not fun. Horrifying. Is it something that would scare me if I looked it up? It's scared, yeah, it okay. scares me. It's the stalking nature. Yeah, okay, no, I wouldn't like that. I, th- I think the thing with children is that the stuff they might be interested in on YouTube might seem fairly innocuous, and mm. it is. So mm. say they really like watching people make trick shots, yeah. for example, and they think, oh, wow, this guy's amazing, yeah. he just did that. Kids don't have the ability to tell that video they've just watched probably took that person a million times before they got it in. They just see that they did it and it worked. Especially if you're not talking to the children about it. So if they're there watching all of this content on their own without a friendly adult saying, well, let's have a think about that. Mm. Do you really think it's likely that that person could have made that trick shot in the, one, in one go or could they have done some manipulating to with the video that made it look like that yeah I don't know what to say I don't have children no 
But when I'm supervising other people's children, I don't like them having unlimited access to watch whatever they want. Obviously, I work within the rules of their parents. So when I watch your kids, for example, if you say it's okay for the kids to watch YouTube, then they watch what they know you would let them watch on YouTube. And Mm. I always ask the question, would mum let you watch this? Yeah. And only one of them ever gives me an honest answer. (laughs) And I know which one it is. And so with the other one, I say, great, let's ring her. (laughs) And then I get the real answer. (laughs) But that's taken a lot of hard work to get to the point Mm. with them. And, you know, they push the boundaries. Yeah, oh, absolutely. They're kids. Um, That's what they're designed to do. I've been having conversations with my oldest about Snapchat Mm. and all his friends having Snapchat and I just don't feel comfortable with him. He's 11. Mm. I don't feel comfortable with him having Snapchat. I don't trust the app and Mm -hmm. I don't trust people. No. So I say no and that really upsets him because how can I connect with my friends and am I just going to have to have kid messenger until I'm 18? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Yeah. We will see. I am not 100% sure yet. but We could go back to pen and paper. You've got your pen license. (laughs) I feel like I'm standing a bit on my high horse, but I really feel that I need to be on my high horse for this one because it's so important for children's development. And we're seeing so many more children presenting with trauma-like symptoms. Mm. And I, I feel... This is my opinion that part of that is closely linked to their exposure to not age appropriate content. All I can say is I'm glad that I didn't have access to what the kids today have access to. 100%. Because I remember being 11 years old and sleeping with a clove of garlic under my pillow (laughs) because I was terrified of vampires at that point in time. Yeah. And it's hard to tell, isn't it, what's going to happen? Mm. Because if you look at like the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s and the 2010s, (laughs) there has been a lot of panic around video games, for example, and the effect that they would have on children, particularly violent video games. And I'm not, I haven't done any research of it, but I'm not entirely sure that there is a link between those video games and violence in children. If it was anything, my gut feeling would be it would be the lack of social interaction. Yeah. Because I guess the argument I've seen is that children can't tell the difference between when it's real life and when it's a video game. Mm. Maybe, maybe not. Like Children aren't stupid. No. They can, they can tell. You can tell if you're playing something on the Nintendo 64 yeah. versus real life yeah. because the pixel sizes are but different. I guess, but I guess the difference is that desensitization to violence. Yes, but it, this is what I'm saying. In the past, that violence has never been lifelike violence. No. Now it's in completely different. Those sorts of video games yeah. do show very lifelike violence. Yeah. But you can't predict what's going to happen in the future no. unless you study it. That's right. And it's the same with children's access to these video games and the social media. Nobody knows for certain what effect that will have on children in 20 years' time. It can only be a best guess. And based on what you've seen, your best guess is that it would have consequences for children. Yeah. See, my concern 
based on being somebody with absolutely no knowledge or expertise in the area of children or children (laughs) development is for me it would be the lack of space not physical space but mental space that children have to be able to generate their own play so if they always have a device in their hand then they're not ever bored they're not ever forced to push themselves yeah to develop a way to entertain themselves that isn't really convenient and really accessible yeah and so I see a lot that when they are pushed to create they just become destructive Yes, or they shut down, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, it's almost like it's too hard. Or they just recreate yeah. what they see on the mm. device. Which is concerning. Oh, it's sad. Yeah. It's a critical age for children's development and bombarding them, whether consciously or not, with content that's not age appropriate is detrimental. Say I was a parent. Mm. Say I'm a parent of a teeny tiny baby, not yet at the point of accessing media for that child. Yeah. What would you tell me? What advice would you give? Don't let your child go on. Don't have children go. Don't have children. (laughs) Easy. (laughs) Put that baby back in your body. Do your research. Like, you well, know. we'll take it down a notch. <laughs> You've got like, do your research. I don't like when people say educate yourself. Say your child's turning four, you want them to have a device so to access some educational content, whatever. Research, find out how you can make it as safe as possible for the, for your child. Turn off the permissions to for download them to apps. download apps on their own because they're not able to decide what is age appropriate for them and what is actually going to be a good app. Play the app yourself. Mm-hmm. Watch the video yourself. If it's a movie where you're like, mm, maybe this is not age appropriate, don't let them watch it. Mm-hmm. If something's rated PG, watch it first. If something's rated M, don't let your four-year-old watch it. If it's R, that's a definite no. <laughs> don't watch it yourself. <laughs> really i know that you just said you hate when people say educate yourself but educate yourself Mm. it's not hard to find the information on how to put app restrictions or parental controls on your devices put locks on pin locks on youtube smart tvs have capabilities to put pin locks on apps be firm with the restrictions that you put in place Mm. you're setting yourself up for failure if you're not consistent and i think one of the big things that i've noticed just from watching you as a parent Mm. is to make sure that your kids are comfortable coming to you and that they feel safe coming to you if and when they've accessed something that they feel uncomfortable with accessing yeah which doesn't involve punishing them but just so that you know that they will come to you if something ever goes wrong if you're not sure about what is appropriate get in contact with us like i'm happy to talk to you about it don't just let them do things because everyone else is letting them do things just to be clear when you said come to us you meant come to you emily who is a qualified teacher yeah not me yeah who is not a teacher and has zero children (laughs) no like seriously i'm i'm happy to have a conversation with anyone who wants to because it's important your children's mental health is important and their development's important i think this has been an interesting chat today what about you next week gaslighting gaslighting or something else if you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast please subscribe and leave a rating for us You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, at Quirky Sister, and now on YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. Have a good one, and we'll see you next week. Bye.
speaking of children, right? Mm. My child messaged me out of the blue the other day to tell me they'd broken their phone and they needed me to cash app them some money urgently oh. to their new number. I was livid. And did you? <laughs> I absolutely did. I said, dear son or daughter, <laughs> here is $100, buy yourself something nice. Right. So I thought of a new, um, a new segment we could have. Mm. Controversial Corner. Mm. Where I talk about all the things that I think about that could be considered controversial. Mm. Sure. Till I start now? Yep. I've noticed. <laughs> it's about me. <laughs> no, it's not. I've noticed that there has been some language used. Have you heard of the term chest feeding? They use it instead of breast Breastfeeding. feeding mm. to be more, I think, to be inclusive. more inclusive. And what I don't understand is why they have to do that. Mm. Because. Men have breasts. Mm. So why can't it just be breastfeeding? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. Because breasts aren't, I mean, often they're associated with being biologically female. Yeah. But men can get breast cancer. Yeah. Anatom- men have breasts. Yeah. Yeah. Anatomically. That's right. The milk is produced in the breast. That's what I don't get Mm. because if men have breasts and women have breasts and everyone has breasts, unless they've surgically had all of their breast tissue removed, Mm. in which case you wouldn't have the capacity to breastfeed, what's the issue with calling it breastfeed? I don't get it. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. I think it's just people and their previous bias of seeing breasts being female. Mm. I've got my two honky (laughs) hands out. Honk, honk. (laughs) Oh, my God. <laughs> it's only because I watched Fisk the other night and she did it with the clown noses. She went honk, honk. <laughs> oh, the other thing was he borrowed my Dremel. <laughs> Dad. Did he need to um, do his feet? Did he? No. <laughs> no, but I said to him, I need to get my Dremel back. And he's like, why? I said, I need to do my feet. <laughs> and he said, what? I said, I need to do my feet. And he said, you use the Dremel on your feet. <laughs> I said, yes. And he said, so that thing of sandpaper (laughs) on the end of the Dremel was your foot sandpaper. I said, yes. (laughs) 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 He got all all grossed out. (laughs) No idea. He's probably like Same. doing this. <laughs> with your foot. If anybody needs any DNA, go to Dad's guitars. Yeah. <laughs> it just made me laugh. I was like, what do you use a Dremel for? <laughs> because they're they're really good for your feet. They do burn a little no, bit. No, no, you don't put it on the fastest speed, you have it on the slowest <laughs> speed. And you know those petty things that you can get those shoulders they're yeah. so expensive yeah. like the replacement just go on ebay buy a bunch of dremel sandpaper replacements they do your feet fine and it's exactly like the tools they use in the pedicure exactly. and it doesn't cost you an no, arm and a leg salons. that's right you could gross out your dad <laughs> you don't get foot disease yeah from someone else's feet that's right <clears> and <throat> you can drill holes in stuff and sand things when you're not using it on your feet it's a multi-purpose tool. <laughs> okay. And we said in the previous episode, we can only do what we can only do. Merch coming soon. <laughs> Merch drop launching in 2023. <laughs> 2023. You're fucking kidding.
taken us a year to start the podcast. <laughs> right, we gotta go. Yeah, we got stuff. To do we do. have enough? We gotta roll. <laughs> we gotta bounce. We have got jobs to do today. You'll be able to put something together. <laughs>